Today I'm joined by Andre Obredovic. Very interesting man. In just a couple of minutes I've been having a chat with him now before we started rolling. Uh, we've already talked about things like eating um, beef testicles. <laughs> we've talked about uh, he, he doesn't work from Thursdays to Tuesdays. Uh, we've talked about exercise and diet and, and, and just some... It's a pleasure to meet a human who's not living like the mainstream, like the rest of everyone. You're actually being exceptional in the way you live your life. Uh, and so that's why you're on here today to talk about all of these things. Well, I think uh, COVID and, and all of that has highlighted that a lot of us are sleepwalking through our health and through our lives. And maybe we shouldn't. So welcome to the show, Andre. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Awesome. So we're going to talk about all of these things. Let's start with who you are. So um, I asked you this earlier. You're a, you're a pretty highly qualified um, health coach and, and so on. Can you give us some background on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm 56. Um years of age this year. Um, I am uh, qualified in a range of certifications as a health coach, mm. particularly as a primal and or low carb health coach. Mm. Um, and that comes from Mark Sisson's Primal Health Coaching Institute out of the US, but also out of South Africa mm. through the Real Meal Revolution, mm. which was started by John, Proud, John O. Proudfoot and Professor Tim Noakes. Mm. Um, I'm a ambassador for the Noakes Foundation, and if people aren't aware of who Professor Tim Noakes is, we'll mm. talk about that later. Sure. And I actually lecture for doctors and practitioners to teach them how to coach their health clients. So I'm actually coaching coaches how to coach okay. their clients. Because um, that can be challenging, uh, trying to talk to... Because I used to be so... I grew up so fat and overweight. You can be quite sensitive when someone comes along to you and says, change your diet, change your attitude, you're doing it wrong. Well, that's not how you... That's not how I talk to people. Oh. Um, that's telling people. And yeah. as a coach... And that leads us on to... The other qualification is I'm an ICF, International Coaching Federation, PCC level, professional leadership coach. Yeah which teaches someone how you actually elicit change in people by yeah. uh, how you can ask the right questions and have a cre uh, create a safe space for the client. So I sort of blend the knowledge and personal experience of going from 80 kilos to 62 and yeah. staying at 62 to 64 kilos for the last 10 years yeah. myself So and that experience and that knowledge of that with the actual how to ask the right questions and coach people together, yes. whereas a lot of people might have the the knowledge and personal experience about doing the weight loss thing and then learning yeah. how to eat low carb, yeah. but it's about getting eliciting that change from people and asking the right questions and creating a safe space for the client. So that's what I do and that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Prior to that, I had a corporate career yeah. uh, where I burnt out and had a few mental health problems. And before that, I was in the military for 20 years. But um, I've, oh. got a lot, I've got a lot of... Wow. I'm not exceptional. I've got a lot of uh, faults myself, but I try and do the best I can to help people and try and have a as relaxed and calm life as I can. Everyone watching is going to be with me on this and disagree and say you are exceptional because what you just described is is maybe you and your friends, that's normal to you, but to the rest of us, that's not normal the way you're living your life. Uh, you, I mean, let's start with what I mentioned. The fact that you don't work, you, you turn off your phone for three days a week. We're all addicted to our food, our, our phones, our internet. How have you created this lifestyle that's so extraordinary? Well... I found that I was um, getting quite anxious, um, mm. always being on my phone. Um, 
you know, I was carrying it everywhere, to the toilet, mm. to the bathroom, um, in the garden, and it was causing anxiety, mm. you know. Um, so one of the first things, one of my best mates, Andy, uh, he, a couple of years ago, told me to create a folder on my phone called Wasting My Life and put all of your social media apps mm. in there. Mm. Um, and I found that useful because every time I wanted to go on Facebook or Instagram mm. or whatever it was, you'd have to actually look at this and I'd be saying, oh, am I, is this a worthwhile time for me to mm. do this or am I going to be procrastinating from doing important things? Mm. Um, and that led to me then just getting off Facebook for two years, Whoa. like deactivating the account. <clears throat> and then I actually deleted the account this year. Um, I just and that to me that was just a whole good thing to do. Mm. Um, in fact, first thing I did was I actually took all of those apps off my phone. So I had okay. to to get onto Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I had to log into a computer. Right. So the only thing on my phone was email and texting, okay. which alleviated for me some of that anxiety around always wanting to be on it. But um, I just decided, you know, recently that I needed to chill a bit and not be working as hard and as many hours, yes. so I decided the best way to do that was shift my clients away from Mondays and Fridays. Yes. So I made the decision that pretty much I'll turn my phone off on Thursday night and not turn it back on till Tuesday morning. Wow. And about the only thing I might do is turn it on for 10 minutes each morning and each night just to check. Emails or something? Any, well, not emails, but any important texts from friends or anything, oh, but I then I turn it off and leave it in the study. And um, then you communicate... Well, with I, I don't I don't need to communicate to anyone. Just your family. Yeah, that's ha, it. Which I guess you live with them. So yeah, yeah. We got kids. Yeah, two kids. They twenty four and twenty five. So they just can't. They know they just can't contact you. Well, they're both at home at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, because of COVID and saving for houses and stuff. But but you know, um, must yeah. be a nice life. The what you've just described. Well, I, for me, it works for me. It doesn't may, maybe not work for everyone, but yeah. I'd encourage people to. Yeah either just think about leaving their phone in their car. Like, I didn't bring yeah. my phone in here today. Yeah. I don't need it. That's amazing. Like, I said to you, can you make sure your phone's on flight mode or whatever, and you said it's in the car. Yeah, well, that's nice. it's not that important. I've like, had, uh, yeah. You know, it just, for me, because I've had mental health problems, yeah. it works for me, and I just encourage people to really think about, you know, as a parent, what sort of example are you setting your kids if you're on your phone all the time or if you've got a phone at the dinner table every yeah, night, yeah. you know, um, we're just setting our kids up to do exactly the same thing. So, and you know, my, my, my son, he often doesn't take his phone with him and says to me, I'm not going to be on my phone for the next couple of, you know, next day or next couple of hours. And that's what I do. I say, I'm going off the grid for a day. If you need me, yeah. this is where I am or whatever. And that's yeah, cool. it just works. I remember those days. Uh, all right, kids meet you at the fountain at 2 PM. Yeah. <laughs> And, and get there without having a phone to navigate. So exactly. people have lost the way to navigate yeah. because they always rely on having a phone with GPS and, yeah. and stuff, you know, so. All right. I think um, we should create a safe space and just like most of my interviews, we'll use your skills to improve my life. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully everyone else will enjoy watching. Um, all right. I think it might be useful, though, to use me as a test example because I've grown up in a very mainstream, um, not just fast food and all of the rest of it and ended up so obese, but also the mentalities that come along with that. And now I'm coming down, I'm only halfway to, to there, but it, it's a lifelong struggle. And 
I'm wondering if the big question we can answer today, if you don't mind, throughout the interview, is how can those people who feel stuck, not not this year, not this month, but lifelong stuck, like I feel like my weight is stuck lifelong, you know, I've never actually cracked it, even though I've, I've done well. What are those things, what is that thing that gets people stuck long term and they, they can end up turning 60 and they never achieve their goal, whatever that goal is, physical or otherwise? Yeah, well... If we focus on health, because mm. that's really the key thing, you know, I focus on with people, and that then leads to a whole lot of other things, mm. is listening to the body of, listening to the language of the body. That's what I like to say. Mm. Um, and I find the thing that maybe gets people stuck is, one, not listening to their body, and we'll talk more about that, mm. um, but also some people look at other people and they look like them, you know, in terms of maybe their weight, they might be a bit overweight mm. or a lot overweight or they might not look tired. Mm. They talk to them and they're like, oh, I'm so sore. You know, I got up this morning, I wanted to sleep till nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. They, they often believe that just because their peers or their colleagues or their friends are like that mm. and they are, then it's normal. Right. So they sort of accept the status quo is, well, everyone else is like this. Yeah. It's normal. So for me, 10 years ago, you know, when I was 46, I was 80 kilos. I worked in an office. Everyone else was a bit chunky. I was, I just thought that's normal. That's what happens as you get old. Yeah. But I know that's not the case because I Clearly not because you... Yeah. yeah. So so people accept that as we get old, we put on weight. We get sore, we get yeah. slower, we get sick. Yeah. And I think that's a thing that people get stuck with. Um, okay. But it's not their fault. Because we're conditioned to think that as we get older, we're going to uh-huh. get sicker. We're conditioned to think that you slow down as you get older. So I'd like, really like to challenge that with people. Yeah. Um, you know, like my first marathon I ran was a 349, probably 10, 10 or 12, maybe 14 years ago. And yeah. this year I did a 326. and. Okay. I did it without eating anything, just one glass of one sip of water, and at the end I wasn't even hungry and I wasn't even sore. You fat fueled a marathon. Yeah, it was very easy, you know. But that's because I understand how to do it and what to do. But I'm just saying, as an example, we don't have to put up with getting slower in life, getting unhealthier in life as we get older. Yeah, it's tip. It's just a. It's not an excuse, but people accept it because they think that's normal, and that's the belief I want to challenge. So. People get stuck because um, they think it's normal. Yeah. They don't actually, they've been following the wrong advice, you know, mainstream advice about health. It's not 90% wrong, you reckon? 90% wrong, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they go to doctors who they think know what they're doing and yeah. doctors, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer, um, but they go to doctors and doctors tell them to take a tablet. And people don't connect to get back to my yeah. first point with what is going on in their body. But okay, but I had a medical clinic for ten years, and I employed all these doctors and specialists and so on, and and natural health practitioners as well. It was a multi clinic, and the, the the thing I noticed with the patients, thousands of patients coming in, was that they want the pill to not the pill, just a pill to uh, fix the problem. And the more that pill can mask the issue, not necessarily solve it, the happier they are. They weren't actually looking for a resolution, I found. They were looking for a mask. Well, maybe they were, but the doctor didn't have time to ask the client some questions. 
So, as an example, let's you want to let let's um mm. let's say you came to me and yeah. and said you had um runny bowels. Yeah. You know, you've had this all this diarrhea all the time. You know, I don't know what questions a doctor would ask. Not you, the same questions that you would ask. But I'd be that. saying, okay, tell me, um, how many cappuccinos are you having a day? Okay. Do you have cappuccinos? I don't drink coffee. Uh, caffeine, oh, caffeine. Well done, either do I. Okay, great. I'm trying to think if I have any caffeine. But mo- most people would say three or four a day. Right. And I'd say, okay, and, and what sort of milk would you have with that? And most people would say, well, uh, skim milk. Like normal milk, although more and more people having almond milk and sure. oat milk. And soy and whatever. Right, uh, or soy, God forbid. I don't know why you'd have that. Because um, it's so healthy. Yeah, right. So, you know, you'd ask them those types of questions. Then I'd say, and then, and you know, I'm assuming you have toast, toast for breakfast or you eat bread during the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, doctors probably wouldn't ask those questions, yeah. but they're, in a lot of cases, things that cause leaky gut. Yeah. And... Runny bowels. Coffee, bread, and dairy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or other other allergen allerg- foods that are allergens that could be like nightshades yeah. or other foods. You know, I've had clients that are allergic to eating chicken, clients who are allergic to eating red meat. So there's variability in all of this. So some people can eat nightshades like capsicum and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Others, others can't. Yeah, but most people... Um, and I know we're getting into the food stuff here, but as an example, yeah. you know, most people um, are, are affected and have a antibody response to eating gluten, which is yeah. in nearly every packaged food yes. and, and, and bread, and, and which comes from wheat, yeah. and, and dairy products. Okay. But a doctor probably wouldn't ask those questions. Yeah. Uh, if they were constipated, yeah. they, they may say, oh, how much water are you drinking? Yes. You know, I, you know, blah, 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 but mm. they'd probably give them a laxative. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, constipation and diarrhea yeah. are related to toxicity in the body. Right. Which comes from eating bad shit yeah. and being stressed, yeah. drinking alcohol. Yeah. And all these problems, you know, people don't understand where they come from. So that's why I talk about this the language of the body and listening to your body. So, you know, when I coach people, the first thing we do is a food and mood journal for a week. What you eat and how you feel. What and, then you you, and then you're going to draw the links. Uh, so you want to teach people. So, you know, the process uh, I use is about having people, because I don't want to work with them forever. Mm. I want them to <clears throat> learn so that they can then move on elicit the changes they need to do and then and be healthier. So the first week is all about they write down whatever they eat, mm. take photos of it, but that's not as important as the reaction. Mm. So the first question I ask a client when we're having our first session is, what did you learn in the last week? I did one with a lady yesterday, actually, mm. and she came out with some pearls of wisdom. Wow. You know, you know so what did you learn? You know, so they write down about their bowel movements. They don't take a photo of them, but they mm. say runny bowels or constipated. And but it's look. after I drank X. That's right. Yeah. So then we spend the whole session, that first session or most of it, going through what are the learnings. And they'll say, oh, yeah, when I had gluten, yeah, I was bloated. Yeah. Or when I had rice, I was bloated. And, they, and I'll say, well, you know, rice can be cross-contaminated by yeah. gluten. Really? Absolutely. Same as oats. 
So, you know... How does rice get cross-contaminated? Oh, it could be in the same truck. So, last week the truck oh. had wheat in it. Didn't know that. This week it could have rice in it. could oh. be done in the same factory. Okay. Possibly. Okay. Yeah, you know, same as oats. So, yeah. if I eat oats, very rarely, because yeah. they're high, you know, high in sugar, yeah. I only eat gluten-free oats. Uh-huh. And they're made... In a separate thing. The whole process yeah. is certified. Because you only need a very small amount of gluten to cause gut distress. Mm. You know, it's only 20 parts per million. Oh. So if you had a million pins, only 20 of those hair pins or, you know, little pins yeah. would need to have gluten protein on it yeah. for you to be infect, uh, affected. This is so, I'm <clears throat> so fascinated by what we're talking about. But the fact that you said she came up with Pearls of Wisdom, because yeah. I'm used to going to health coaches and trainers and whoever else, and they're telling you. No, no. It's about the client learning. In that first session, you know, <clears throat> you want them to come out and say, oh, yeah, I, I was really tired in the afternoon mm. at 4 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, well, what do you think that's mm. from? And they look at you like, I'm, and I said to her, I said, I'm not going to tell you the answers. Mm. You have, I want you to learn. Mm. And I'll help you learn. And she goes, well... I can't remember what she had. Mm. Um, maybe she had a muffin mm. or a banana or mm. something. And then I explained about the blood sugar roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So, she, so she said, well, why am I so tired? Mm. And I explained, and for the, for the listeners, you know, we have, you know, if this is one teaspoon of sugar, this is called homeostasis. I'm sure you understand this, mm. right? Well, what happens is that's where our blood sugar wants to be, one mm-hmm. t- about one teaspoon. Mm. You know, if you have a bowl of Just Right and some skim milk and an orange juice wow. and wholemeal toast... Which, which we think is healthy, which Dietitians Australia and Nutrition mm. Australia and Diabetes Australia tell yeah. us and doctors tell us is healthy, yeah. your blood sugar is going to be about 10 teaspoons of sugar. Right. So at 8 o'clock in the morning, you're hungry, you eat, yeah. your blood sugar comes up to here. What happens? Okay, so our adrenal glands go warning, warning. They're these tiny little things on top of our kidneys right. that are there as a protective mechanism for our body right they're the things that alert us it's very primitive they alert us to danger yes so when our when we see a dog running to us to transgress a bit yeah without even us thinking our body knows danger our heart rate increases our respiration increases our adrenal glands turn on and start to get our juices flowing yeah so that we can run away from the dog well the same thing happens when our blood sugar comes up Hmm. right um our, in, our, inch, our pancreas starts to secrete insulin, yeah. which is a fat storage hormone, yeah. which then starts to drop our insulin. So at 10 o'clock, what do we have? A snack. Morning tea. The food truck's arrived. Food truck, right? The, the food industry created breakfast, lunch, dinner, morning yeah. tea and afternoon tea to sell more food, which mm. I'm sure has been on your podcast before with all the great guys and people you've had on. But this is what happens. We get these roller. So I explain this to her and she goes, oh, yeah, I've never really thought about that. Wow. And, and that's, that's what amazing. drives stress. So our Drive body, stress? What do you mean? Well, you know, when our blood sugar gets so high, yeah. our body is really smart. Our body sends messages and our yeah. hormones jump into action to yeah. lower the blood sugar. So, yeah. you know, our blood sugar comes down because yeah. it's urgent to get that blood sugar down. So yeah. then what drives hunger is our blood sugar is so low at yes. 10 o'clock, we... You know, we're sitting there and we're like, oh, I'm starving. Well, our body tells us to eat because our blood sugar is too low. Roller coaster. So then at 10 o'clock we eat again 
and we usually have a muffin or a banana, a healthy Sh- banana. I haven't thing. eaten a banana for probably 10 years. But they're delicious. Yeah, and they're full of sugar. Yeah. 25 grams of carbs in yeah. most ban- medium bananas, five yeah. teaspoons of sugar. Yeah. So we then eat again and the same thing happens all day. And that drives cortisol because yeah. our body doesn't, our body doesn't, our body doesn't know yeah. that we're just eating shit food. Yeah. Our body goes into a state of fight or flight mm. because our body doesn't understand. Just like, to go on a little bit of a tangent, when we exercise and we get our heart rate really high, yeah. our body, and we're breathing through our mouth because we should always breathe through our nose. That's another mm. thing we can come back to. We should never breathe through our mouth. We're going to forget. Can you just tell me now? Because there's so many things I want to go to. Okay. Why? Um, because it, our body thinks that we're under stress when we breathe through our mouth. Is that because it, you can get more air quickly in an emergency? Well, that's not why our body thinks we're in stress. But as we evolved as humans, yeah. our nose and nasal passages are much better to breathe through. So our air heats up, our nasal hairs filter oh. the impurities. Mm-hmm. It drives a deeper breath right down into our diaphragm. It, uh, it increases our ability to have nitric oxide in our, in our body, which is very important. So that's how we're meant to breathe. But over time, people have eaten soft foods which have stopped our mouth and sinuses forming properly. Um, Eating more sugar has done that. Mm -hmm. And people start breathing through their mouth more. Mm -hmm. And breathing through our mouth was only something we did when we were running from danger as a caveman. And that then elicited a cortisol response because we're running away from danger and fear. So now when we breathe through our mouth, when we're particularly exercising really hard, our body thinks we're running away from the saber-toothed tiger. So it increases our cortisol. It turns our fat burning off. Oh, I didn't know that. It makes us crave sugar. It gets us ready for a fight. But we're not actually stressed. We're just exercising. But isn't that the best way for your body to perform temporarily in that marathon or whatever you're doing? Let let the mouth breathing happen. Let the cortisol come on. Or do you try and maintain the the I, I breathe through my nose. Okay. But that's because I've learned how to do it and I've got a big aerobic engine. Mm. And that's how I teach all my clients to breathe through their nose and all of them have better results. Mm. So if you look at the Olympic Games, mm. the the Jamaican girl who came third in the 100-metre sprint, her name is Fraser something something, maybe they can put it in the show notes, she has like three names. Okay. She's 35, she's older than most of them. When she's coming over the finish line in her heat, she had her mouth closed and she's breathing through her nose. That's odd. That's that. odd. Yeah, okay. Some of the guys do too, but most yeah. people yeah. are breathing through their mouth because yeah. that's how they're taught. Okay. So we should always breathe through our nose. Okay. There, there's a lot of science that shows that people that snore yeah. and have mouth breathers have a higher incidence of diabetes, yes. autoimmune disease, heart yeah. disease, and they put on weight. Yeah. All right, so back to the corporate person. Yeah, anyway, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> I didn't, I'm going to be conscious of that now. So, so you can tape your mouth. At night. Mm, with these little tapes. You can buy proper mouth-fixing tapes. I had a client in Perth, orchestra conductor, Jonathan. He said, I always wake up with a dry mouth, and I'm like, oh, you, you must breathe through your mouth. Mm. He goes, oh, yeah, I think I do. I said, Go to the chemist, get some. He did it three days later. He said, it's changed my life. My wife... Better sleep, less better snoring. Better sleep, less snoring, doesn't get up as often in the night. Totally changed his life. A little bit of tape. Yeah. You can get it from the pharmacy, just like, it's just like you know, cloth yeah. tapes. Yeah. Sure. 
So the corporate person who's sitting there going on this roller coaster, the, <clears throat> the way you've described sugar and, and, and the traditional lifestyle and eating quite a lot, in, you know, quite often as opposed to intermittent fasting, which I'm sure we'll get to, it all sounds very artificial when you talk about the way humans are meant to live and eat and sleep. I would say that most of us are walking around in a suboptimal routine. 100%. Damaging, damaging, damaging the body, dying earlier, or or dying, living longer but being sick. Yeah. You know, dying in a nursing home with someone having to wipe your ass to yeah. go to the toilet or not being able to walk. And most of this comes from bad food, inappropriate exercise, which yeah. causes stress, yeah. alcohol, yeah. lack of sleep, not getting enough sleep and stress. Okay, so can we um, just establish what a, I hesitate to say what a good diet is, but we just talked about how bad the, the normal diet is. I have to ask the question, what is a good diet? Or is there not a single good diet? Okay, well, I, I don't like to use the word diet. Okay. Um, I like to say an approach to nutrition. Okay. So the first thing is, our first question to ask yourself is, as Professor Tim Noakes says, if you have to exercise to control your body weight, your approach to nutrition is wrong. That's a good point. Right? So if you have to exercise to lose weight, you are eating the wrong shit. But hang on, what if you are so sedentary, like most of us are nowadays, that it, it could be that your diet is quite good and quite clean by whatever standards which we'll go through, but your exercise is at zero, so that the, um, the, the most effective change that person could make in their life is probably to do a little bit more exercise, get a bit more movement, stand up, get a standing desk, walk around, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's very incremental movement. Yeah. That's not exercise, that's movement. Oh, you're talking about going out and punishing yourself to burn off the yeah. muffins. And I used to work in four gyms, yeah. right? And I would see the same. So to the viewers, yeah. what I want to ask you is if you go to the gym and you follow this approach to trying to maybe get trimmer and there's nothing wrong with that, you, you've just been given the wrong advice, ask yourself this question. The other people you see in the gym at 5.30 in the morning for the last 12 months, has anything changed for them? And the answer will be 90% no. They're there fighting. Yeah, because it's exciting. What's exciting? Going and training with your mates oh, or okay. your girlfriends, doing okay. a high five to the Les Mills class mm. where you're absolutely sweating like anything. So I'd teach at a gym. Um, I taught a different way than the other instructors. Mm. But you'd see the same people over and over. And I ended up, I taught a cycle class at Eltham, at a gym there. Mm. And a lot of people left it because it wasn't hard enough for them. But I had a big group of people join and we mm. used to fill the room nearly every week. And I used to make them breathe through the nose. Mm. So I'd say, close your mouth. This needs to be comfortable. And we'd talk about food. We'd talk, I'd talk mm. about sleep. And mm. people over time would take that in and say, actually, yeah, like, you know, you look fit. Mm. You look strong. Because mm. a lot of fitness instructors are overweight. Mm. Like, why would you actually go to a personal trainer or a fitness instructor that was overweight, mm. if, if losing weight is your goal. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you want to be trained, in my opinion, you want to be trained by someone who has the requisite um, sort of skills or mm -hmm. knowledge or ability to be like you want to be. So if we think about a, a better approach to nutrition... Yeah, so that's might... what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah sorry. No, yeah. this is good. I like... I want to go all over. Yeah. If we think about a better approach to nutrition, which might include... 
a, a lot less carbohydrates and things that we've touched on. What I'm really going to get to is how to explain the anomalies when you see some incredible looking person, not just that they're ripped with abs, but they're healthy looking, their eyes are white and everything, their skin's glowing and they're not 18, they're 35 yep. and they're a hardcore vegan yep. or they're eating like soy, like we talked about, just heaps of soy stuff. And yep. it goes, I say to myself, well, maybe this carnival way of eating, maybe this paleo way of eating, maybe this is not right because clearly I haven't made it, but they have and they're eating vegan and I'm getting all confused. Yeah. So how do you explain those anomalies that are very healthy, look great? And there are some like Mark Sisson is up for the paleo style, but there are some on the other side who look incredible as well and they're 60 yeah. and they're fully vegan. Yeah. Um, I think for some people it could be a bit of genetics. Mm. Um, in particular, if we're talking about vegan or vegetarian, those people are probably having a very structured and uh, regimented supplementation routine mm -hmm. to get the mm -hmm. required amino acids because we can't get that when we don't eat animal products. So mm -hmm. I think that would be part of it. Part of it would be genetics. Part of it could just be luck. You know, or part of it could be they look great, but maybe inside they're not well mm -hmm. and as they get older. So there's a lot of young people who are vegetarian and vegan. 20 years old, yeah. That feel great and look great, yes. but as they get older, they'll get sick. So there's, okay, so there's not many old Marxist and age type people who are living a plant-based? Not that, not that I am aware of. That's interesting that you point out about, um, I don't know if healthy user bias is the right word, but if you, if you take someone who's so regimented, even if they're vegan or whatever, they're going to be significantly healthier than the yeah. mainstream. Yes, that, yeah. well, that is right, that, you know, they're probably getting enough sleep. Yeah. They're probably not having alcohol. Mm. Um, they may be preparing their food properly, mm -hmm. so they could be following a lot of stuff from the Western Price mm. Foundation about prepare, preparing and soaking uh, mm. legumes mm. and lentils and mm. pulses and things in the right way. Mm. They're probably not eating processed food, so... Mm. A lot of people that I've come in, like I won't coach vegans or vegans, right? Because it's too hard. Because they won't eat meat. Oh, okay. Right? So, or, and, or eggs. So <coughs> a lot of people come to me and I ask them what they're eating and a lot of them are eating processed food, even though it's vegan or vegetarian food. Yeah. And that's unhealthy, so it's full of sugar. But see, this beyond meat thing, this moment that's happening now with Arnold Schwarzenegger and all of that, who says, look at me, I've got big muscles and I'm a vegan, and they're pushing this uh, processed stuff. It's in vogue. Yeah, well, it's trendy. You know, I almost call it woke. Yeah. Like, but it's totally unhealthy. We're not meant, we've got teeth because we're meant to eat meat. Well, they're not carnivorous teeth, aren't they? A blend. We've got these big molars that can crunch fibrous vegetables, right? Well, I eat lots of vegetables. Yeah. But... We can't get the amino acids yeah. that we need for our body to function properly by eating plant-based food. Okay. Unless you have a proper structured regimental process about having supplements. And uh, and then is it possible or is it still suboptimal? Uh, I'd say it's still suboptimal, but it okay. is possible. But That's it's it. very hard to get the right balance of nutrients by eating that way. Okay. Uh, I'd never do it. But... but I'm not a carnivore. I love yeah. my vegetables, sure. but I don't have any allergic reaction to vegetables. Okay. So, you know, my body tolerates the vegetables that I eat well, and I eat them with meat. But some days I don't eat meat, Yeah. you know, um, and I only eat small portions of gr good quality grass-fed meat. Okay. I won't eat grain-fed meat. Yeah. Um, Sick cows. Sick cows. So sick. And, and only small portions. Okay. You know, a lot of men I work with eat 300 gram steaks. 
Yeah. That's a lot of protein. Is it so your caloric intake is probably lower than most more, more um, people? I don't track calories or take any notice of calories. Yeah. Um, I would say I probably eat less than most people. Yeah. Because when you eat less, you live longer. It's a known fact. Yes. That, yes. You know, through time restricted eating or intermittent fasting, the less calories or less food you take on board, yeah. generally people do have a longer lifespan. And you know, we we shouldn't really be. Yeah, if we want optimal health that we were talking about before and the optimal approach to nutrition, you know, I'd be saying, you know, we want to limit processed food. We want to avoid gluten as much as possible because gluten is poison. And no matter what people say, oh, I can eat bread and I don't feel sick. Yeah. Well, what's that uh, rash you've got? Oh, no, that's that's just, that's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, oh, no, I love my cappuccinos. I I go to the toilet and I'll say, oh, but you know, you've got cramps in the stomach Mm. or you've got headaches. Mm. You know, gluten and dairy, apart from butter, I love butter. I eat lots of butter. Why is that while we're here? Because I've noticed that too. Butter doesn't seem to trigger... Different proteins. Without the the lactose. Without the lactose and, you know, different levels of casein. So, you know, I use clarified butter, so ghee as well. So... What about cream then? Because that's not quite milk, right? It's one step. Double thick... Double thick, high fat cream doesn't affect me. It does affect some people. As opposed yeah. to normal cream might affect you. Yeah. Okay. It's all individual, right? Sure, but, sure. you know, this is where that language of the body. So when listen. people, you know, one bit of advice is to anyone listening to this, if, if you're a little bit overweight or you yeah. don't have a good poo every morning, you get headaches, you have acne or you've got a skin rash. Yeah or you feel lethargic and sluggish, and, and you say to yourself, oh, you know, well, I'm 45, you know, it's normal to be a bit slow, and you think about how you were when you were 20, mm. do a food and mood journal. Mm-hmm. You know, write down. You don't have to weigh and measure your mm-hmm. food. It's not about mm-hmm. calories but or macros. Write down what you're eating at what time and then how you feel. Mm. And do that for a week, and you'll learn a lot. Mm. Right? But... You know, gluten is the number one food I would be avoiding mm. above anything. And if you're overweight, mm. you shouldn't actually have gluten-free substitutes. Because of the carbohydrate content. Absolutely, as you know, right? So I half know. Yeah, so doctors, you know, doctors will say, generally, if someone's overweight and they go to the doctor um, and they do all the celiac testing yeah, or whatever... Yeah. And they find that they're gluten intolerant, or yes. they do the blood tests, and all of this is highly inaccurate. Right. It's, it's, and we can talk about that more as well. They'll say now you need to go on to gluten free foods. Yes. So they'll say, okay, oh great, so I can still eat my shit yeah. processed food, yeah, yeah, yeah. my pasta, my shortbread biscuits, my because yeah. there's all this gluten free food in the um, supermarkets, yeah. but it's so high in carbohydrates. So. Because, like, how many doctors are going to tell someone that's 10 kilos overweight you need to lose weight? They're yeah, not. Yeah. They'll tell someone maybe if they're 40 kilos overweight, yeah. and then what will they tell them? Eat less fat and go and exercise more. That's right. Which is totally ridiculous. Eat more fruit. Yeah, full of sugar, right? Um, as Jane Mukey talks about and, and Gary Fetke and, and yeah. his wife, you know. So it's about... Getting rid of the offending foods, mm. and they're the foods that affect you. So whether it's gluten, and most people will be affected by gluten, whether mm. it's a skin rash or a headache mm. or bad bowel movements, mm. and they will get you over time. 
Mm. Um, you know, dairy. Don't listen to the ads about how important dairy is for us. Um, alcohol. You know, um, lots of fruit. And you, you just got to listen to what's going on in your body because people that have rheumatoid arthritis, mm. that is from food. But see, this is the funny thing. I've seen a guy who's, I can't remember his name, it was years ago, but he was famous, and he, he cured his RA by getting rid of all protein because of protein mimicry and these yeah, issues. Yeah. Uh, and he went plant-based. Mm. But then I've seen others get rid of RA going carnivore. Yeah. Well, everyone's different. So Andy, this good mate of mine, he can't eat certain types of meat because yeah. he has some an arthritic reaction to mm. it. So he eats differently. But... On the broad, sure. you know, if you look at the broad population, you know, 90, 95% of people would do much better by avoiding gluten, dairy, eating meat, eating good vegetables, and a small proportion of people that are very strict, as you said before, mm. um, with their health, about avoiding alcohol and, and, and sleeping properly and avoiding stress, they might do all right on that sort of vegan or vegetarian approach to nutrition. Can we talk about how for people, you know, I need to give up alcohol, I need to give up sugar, I need to give up gluten and yum char and all these d- delicious things. That's very, very difficult for them. But I'm, I'm curious whether it's difficult always or if they could remove some of that addictive kind of drink. So, so it's easy for them to stop having yeah. those things. Yeah. Well, first thing is the language. So people... When people say to me, oh, so I need to stop doing X or I need to stop eating Y, I say, you don't need to do anything. It's Uh, your choice. uh, Very good. Like, it's your choice. Yeah. Do you want health? So I say, here's two things. You can be sick or you can be healthy. Which one do you want? And if you want to be healthy, you know, the choices you make could be around reducing alcohol, avoiding gluten, giving up popcorn at the cinema, stopping going out with your mates and having 20 beers on a Friday night with pizza. So some of these decisions, and I say, they're all decisions in your hands. Why does that work, the way you're pushing agency back onto me and responsibility? Um, Well, I don't know that that works, but maybe some of the next questions drive people to that. So as an example, a client I was speaking to yesterday, she has an 11-year-old daughter. She's 50. Mm. And she's over being overweight and being tired and exhausted mm. and, and stuff. And I said to her, so why is this important to you? And she said, oh, well, I don't want to be fat. Mm. And I'm like, okay. I said, can I ask you a question? She goes, yeah. I said, so your daughter's 11. Mm. How old will you be when she might get married? And she said, oh, I'll be 60, maybe 68 mm. to 70. Mm. I said, okay, tell me, what are you going to look like when you're 70 if you don't change what you're doing now? Ooh. And she just looked at me because we do it on video. Mm. And you could see there was emotion in her face. And I said, mm. look, can I tell you something? And she goes, yeah, of course. I said, if you don't change what you're doing now, you're probably going to have diabetes. Mm. You're probably going to be in a walking frame Mm. or maybe in a wheelchair. You might only have one leg. So if that's not what you want, which cup are you going to choose? I mean, that's why you've come to me, but that's why you need to make better choices. And the choices are often driven by, 
oh, I'm so busy. Mm. Well, actually, it's firstly knowing. Oh, there's four, the four things that people need to sort of think about or we work through is one is, is the reality of the situation. So that point there about mm. when she's 70. That's reality. That's yeah. the reality yeah. of the situation. She's 50 now. Her yeah. daughter's 11. She'll probably have grandkids by the time she's 70. Yeah. I said, what do you want to do with your grandkids? Yeah. And once again, she goes, I want to be able to do things with them. She can't. And at the moment, she has trouble getting on to doing some recreational sure. activities. She's like, and she's 50. Right. She said, I want to be able to do things with my grandkids. I yeah. said, okay, great. So that's the reality is where she is now, she's not going to get to be able to do those things yes. when she's 70. Yeah. Then it's about unlearning. So then we unpack, well, but I thought eating bananas was good. And yeah. I thought eating oats yeah. was good. And yeah. I... And I'm like, well, it might be if you're 20, yes. but you're 50 yeah. and you're, t you're telling me you want to lose X kilos and yeah. you're tired. You're telling me that's yeah. your problem. Yeah. So maybe eating those things that we see on the idiot, stupid TV ads yeah. about Nutri-Grain and cereal and grains being healthy, they might be for someone who's not metabolically challenged or mm. who doesn't have an autoimmune dysfunction mm. because they've been eating this shit for 30 years. So it doesn't work for you. So mm. that's life. Mm. So there's the unlearning of what we're taught. And, you know, the whole thing about eating six meals a day and mm -hmm. breakfast is the most mm -hmm. important meal. That's mm -hmm. all bullshit for mm -hmm. someone who's 50 and overweight, mm -hmm. right? Then there's the education. So that, that's the sort of thing is the reality of the situation and then the unlearning and then the teaching and then the motivation. Mm -hmm. So for in that conversation, you know, she's come away with it with her own motivation to pick the right choice, make the right choice. But what about when the chips are down, <clears throat> she's stressed, yeah. and that tub of ice cream would just solve today's stresses? Well, one of the things is not having the shit in the house. Yeah. So, you know, we do a purge of the pantry. Yeah. And, and if they have kids and they like eating that stuff, I then say to them, well, okay, so how's, how's that gonna affect your kids? Okay. So, so what about, I mean, that's yep. quite a common idea, purge yep. pantry, but what about when you're out and about, you go out with your mates, uh, you have 20 beers on a Friday night. Yeah. How do you ask someone, not that you ask them to give that up, but how do you move them to a place where they're willing to, to that's not just about the beers. No, it's not. It's about the social interaction. So often I, I've got a guy I've just stopped working with, he's a top guy, I won't say his name, and he would drink a lot mm. with clients and customers and mates and felt a pressure to fit in socially. Mm. And I said to him, I said, look, you know, how does that affect your mental health? And mm. he goes, well, I feel shocking the next day. Mm. And I wake up and I feel bad. And I'm like, okay. So I said, how, what does that, what sort of impression, notice I'm never asking yes or no questions, yes. right? Yeah. What sort of impression do you think or, or example does that set to your kids? that on a Saturday yeah. morning or a Sunday morning, you're waking up and you're visibly hung over. Yes. Not a good one. So we talk about that. You know, yeah. what sort of example do you want to set to your family about your behaviours as a man yeah. and as an adult? Yeah. And then we go back to his mates and I say, you know, do you really want to be there drinking with them? No. But I feel left out or they'll judge me. And I'm yeah. like, are they good friends? Yeah. I'm like... Okay, what if you said to them, hey, guys, you could do a couple of things. You could say to them, hey, guys, I'm trying to improve my health. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to have two beers yeah. and drink water, so don't give me shit about it. Yeah. Or 
if you haven't got the willpower to do that or in a professional setting where you don't really know the people so I've got another client in America who does a lot of functions that he has to go to with clients mm. who he feels a bit out if he's not of drinking course. alcohol yeah. I say to him just say to the people look you know my doctors asked me not to drink alcohol for mm. a couple of weeks because mm. I've got a, my, my liver they're checking my liver out well people aren't going to say oh you're a wimp or mm -hmm. why aren't you mm -hmm. but this whole social thing with blokes and their mates or females like i've mm. got i've got a couple of female clients that were doing the same going out with the girls having two or three champagnes on a friday and having cake so they start to on the alcohol and then they eat the shit food yeah. so she was yeah. eating great but then the girls will all be having cakes yes. and they have the champagne. Yeah. And I just said to her, you got to think about what do you want? It's not about other people. Okay. You're not there to make other people happy. Just like the guy who has an Italian mum. Oh, my goodness. Right? It's the worst. Well, yeah. So your mum's Italian. Like, Can't you know, offend her. Or, or you have yeah. an Asian family. Oh, I'm at, Asian. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, right. But so... If you go to your parents' house, your mum might cook a lot of rice and you feel affected. You have to, yeah. You have to, but, but if well, you... Well, you don't have to is you the don't, point. You don't have to. You can make a choice. Exactly. So here's some strategies that people can use yeah. or you could use. So you could say you could say to your mum, we'll do a rice one and then we'll do a pasta one, Italian and Asian, right? Yeah, so you cool. could say to your mum, look, mum, the doctor's asked me to stop eating rice for a while because mm. it's upsetting my stomach. Mm. Because if you say to a mum, I'm trying to lose weight, She's going to come over oh, and go, yeah, yeah. oh, you're beautiful. She's, yeah, yeah, it doesn't you, work. You know, that doesn't work. It's yeah. about saying, look, the doctor's asked me, this is upsetting my bowels. Mm. He wants me to stop eating this for a while. Just And she'll be like, oh, okay, can I make you some more mm. broccoli or other mm. vegetables, right? Mm. And the same with the Italian mother. You know, you could ring your mum, your Italian mother, before you're going over there, or your sister who might still talk to your mum more often or something and say, look, the doctor's asked me to not eat pasta because of the gluten. I'm mm. having stomach cramps because of it. I'm not going to eat it. Because once again, if you say, I'm trying to lose weight, mm. your mum will be like, oh, beautiful. Mm. You know. Mm. So these little strategies that you can implement can really make a big difference. But telling your mates that, you know, look, guys, I'm not getting on the piss this, mm. this Friday night because I'm not well, I'm sick, mm. or... Um, you know, I've got gut distress, mm. I have diarrhoea every time I drink beer. Well, you know, they're not going to say, oh, you're a pussy. Yeah, or of course. Like, of course. You know, that's just how it is. So you've got to have, this is what I teach people, is how to work in these social situations to still be able to do things that are socially acceptable but change your health. So maybe having a gin and tonic yeah. instead of having beer because beer's got gluten in it or going to a gluten-free beer or a low-carb beer. Okay. okay. You know, there's a whole lot of strategies that you can do, but people don't think about that. <clears throat> what about biological addiction? If you think about, you, you'd be able to tell me more about this than I'd be able to tell you, but in terms of the addictiveness of sugar and the rats and the, hair, the cocaine versus sugar and that, those sort of experiments, some of us are uh, biologically addicted to the nightly ice cream or whatever their thing is, and by yourself in your car, eating a Sunday at Macca's. That's how I grew up. In shame. What do you? How do you approach those people who are so stuck? Well, look, um, I personally have been through a pretty hard time in the last eight months um, for some reasons, um, and I'll admit this, and I've told a lot of my clients, I was driving and I would stop at every petrol station 
I'd go to and I would buy chips and a golden gay time and a Turkish delight. Sugar. Sugar. And I would do that without even thinking. So I know what it feels like. Now I've stopped that. Is it, is that was that harking back to an earlier part no, of your life? No, it was just an emotional I no, just, but did you used to do that behaviour no, before? No. Oh, okay. No. So that's maybe different to what you're talking about. But um, still, it's odd for you to do that. It is. But I, I felt shit, of and I didn't, and I had diarrhoea. Yeah, of course. Bad bowel movements from it, and I thought, look, you know, short term this makes me feel good, but long term I'm going to go downhill if I keep doing this. How short term did you do that for? That oh, months, weeks? eight months. It's a long time. Yeah. 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 Ten ten dollars every time at the petrol station, four or five times a week. How did you get out of that? I felt so shit that two things. Firstly, what sort of example am I setting for my clients? Yeah. And secondly, my weight went up to sixty eight kilos from sixty four. Okay. And I was still exercising and all that. Um, and I just felt shit, and I just had to talk to myself. I so, talked to myself about it and said, "I need to stop doing this shit." So do you have any experience with, I guess, a more a more addictive profile, maybe with some of your clients yeah, if you milk. haven't been through it? Milk. milk. Okay. Milk. Um, and milk, um, milk is a big one because it's a comfort thing for people, yeah. the flavour, the yeah. creamy texture, but it's driven by our gut. So our gut <coughs> can have, and I'm not an expert in this at all, but we can have... Um, uh, yeast overgrowth, mm -hmm. I think it is in the gut that mm -hmm. drives this uh, addiction and craving for milk. And it can be the same with other things as well, but I'm not an expert in that, but I know... And other dairy products, I Other assume. dairy products. Yeah. That's why, you know, uh, a lot of clients of mine really have a lot of milk and I, take, I get them to stop it straight away. It must be hard for them. It is hard, very hard. I, I've got a client that was having eight coffees a day you know, that's cappuccinos. That's almost two litres of milk a day. And the person was struggling to lose weight. And well, I'm they're like, probably as addicted to the milk as the caffeine. People don't realise. Well, it's both. So I try and get people off the milk and then I try and reduce the caffeine. Okay. I was, I had to have a hormone test, a saliva test, yeah. um, probably 18 months ago. And when you do that, you can't, uh, you can't drink caffeine. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I was feeling like, wow. And... I said to my wife, I said, I feel really shit. And she goes, oh, you haven't had any tea today, have you? And I go, no. And she goes, you're addicted. To tea? Yeah, so obviously. The, so, the withdrawal. Next, so the next day, I just went cold turkey. No tea. And I haven't had any caffeine for 18 months. And I never drank coffee, but yeah. I drink Rubos, Rooibos South African tea now. Okay. Because I, I can't handle caffeine. So for me, that was my problem. But milk is a big problem. So I try and get people to... Get off the milk from the cappuccinos. Yeah. Maybe have a coffee with a, da a dash of lactose-free milk. Sure, sure. Or almond milk. It doesn't sure. taste the same. Um, and then try and reduce the caffeine because caffeine can be a huge irritant to our gut. There are good almond milks you can have when they're cut with canola oil and... Uh, well, that's a problem. Most, <laughs> other of, fun oils. most of them have got canola oil in them. Uh, terrible oil. Please, people, don't... Yeah. So I have a touch... I have like a teaspoon of lactose-free full cream milk, mm. but it doesn't affect me. But see, these people, 
when the chips are down, when, when they're going through particularly hard, they might be great for months, and then they go through, especially with the lock. You know, everyone's going through various things, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden they go on a bender. For for you, it was eight months. For others, it's whatever, a few weeks. Um, so they would go back to the milk for a season. So I, are these just things we have to wrestle with as humans forever? Yeah. And I think once again, I go back to that listening to our body and we have to think about how is it affecting our body how are we getting headaches are we having clear thoughts are we feeling good and journaling yeah you know journaling can help with that like in the morning writing down the things we're grateful for how we feel and then that night journaling what not a food diary but a small mini food and mood journal you know about what are the things i did well today always start with a positive what are the two or three things i did well today about my mindfulness or meditation or appropriate exercise or food or sleep and then what are the things i'd like to change tomorrow you know better habits around x y and z you know what do you think about the destructive mentality where people might plan to destroy themselves on the weekend or at christmas yeah, so, like cheat meals and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So six days totally I'll go stupid. good. But yeah, but I'll, I'll punish myself on Sunday, but yeah. then I'll be good on Monday. No. Why? I still do this at Christmas it's once a year. Oh, well, okay. But that is terrible. I feel like rubbish. Yeah. I, it takes me six months to get my weight six back. Six months? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a problem. It is a problem. It shouldn't take six months to get back to my pre-Christmas weight, and it did this year. Really? Yeah. So what are you going to do in six weeks? This is my problem because I'm finally back to where I was in November last year and it's November this year and I'm about to approach Christmas and I, I can't I can't do it again. My weight and, and health is so important to me because it's been so bad for so long. I'm like, I don't know how to get through Christmas. So when, have you identified the triggers of what happened? <clears throat> well, it's how I used to live my life and so... Now to eat so clean and then to let it all go every Christmas for like three, four weeks uh, of huge amounts of whatever. Um, and then also with family, you know, thankfully some like my mum's dead now, but, you know, a lot of my family upbringing, you come together at Christmas. We're a big Maori family and we we, um, we make a, uh, what do you call it? Like as a, we valorize it. Like how, you know, I ate 20 magnums today. Or oh, you should have seen how many prawns I ate. You know, it becomes a... A badge of honour. So talk to your family and tell them how sick you felt last year and how you don't want to do it and ask them for the, your support, for some support. The thing is, it's not them. I think many people uh, might be going through this. It's me self-destructing. Right. I want to punish myself. And I think people do this week to week. They do six days on and seventh day, I'm going. They're, they're proud of what I'm going to do on that seventh day. This is a very destructive pattern. Have you written down how shit it makes you feel? I haven't written it down, no. Have you I taken know what a, it does. Do you look shit? Yeah. Okay, so take a photo of you looking good and take a photo of you looking shit and write down under them how you feel in those photos. And review that before this Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And give me a ring the day before. <laughs> I just I just think it's, uh, it's um, a real complex mix. It's not as simple as just the food, which we've talked about. You know, there's emotions. also psychology yeah, and the emotions. Is. Yeah, it is. And I, I, honestly, I've probably only had two clients like that. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. who went AWOL and Uber Eats every night and ice cream yeah. every night. Um, probably two out of four or 500, so I've been lucky. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, you know, I would send someone like that to a psychologist. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm, I'm one of no, those. No, 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 like, 
Seriously, yeah. You know, I think I probably need to. I have screening questions about yeah. things like that, and then I talk to like I talk to people before I start to work with them because I don't know if I can help. I can't help everyone. Well, if someone's that broken, there might be a deep seated childhood issue. Yeah. So maybe yeah. hypnosis or something like that might help. I have issues. Uh, this is funny because I've embraced a carnivorous eating, which is a, what I thought was a ludicrous way of eating. Oh, but, right. But it's effectively, except for Christmas, and that's my problem, it's effectively solved everything because you've removed it. It's a, it's a giant elimination diet, right? So all the the biological triggers are gone. There is nothing. And well, your I skin can, looks very good. Thank you. And I can go a full year. Uh, i just got to solve the Christmas issue. Um, so what do you think about this rise of um, this sort of uh, diet? Because I think... The carnivore. Yeah, and I think using the word diet, you know, that we talked about earlier, is is the point. The difference between a way approach to nutrition and a diet, I think some people embrace it like I am because it's just, it's so systemically, functionally freeing and I don't really think about it. And others do it like, I need to lose weight, I'm going to be carnivore for three months. And, and, yeah, look, I think, um, you know, Paul Saladino, who's one of the biggest he does that, yeah. proponents for it, um, He's very fit and looks great. He's a doctor. Mm. Um, you know, I think if it works for people, do it. I personally couldn't do it just because I like my vegetables too much. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it um, as long as you don't have an allergic, you know, allergenic yeah. response to eating so much meat. Um, you know, maybe you've got to be careful about the mTOR pathway and cancer about having too much protein maybe, right, but then right. some people say that's not an issue. Sure. Um, I'd always sort of think about that. Um, do you have good bowel movements? Yeah, very, which is odd because mm. you're supposed to eat fibre. Yeah. And then the first, everyone knows, the first week of carnivore is just yeah, diarrhoea. Yeah. But then after that, for months and months, it's like better than when I was eating yeah, fibre. Which is terrific. What like, do, why is that? I don't know why, but I think that's one of the good things because the people I speak to that, Andy, this mate of mine, he mm. did carnivore for quite a while and mm. he would have great poos every morning and that's a sign of health. It's a, it's a important it sort of because you know when you have bad bowel, disrupted bowel <coughs> movements, it's part of toxicity. Your body's going into some sort of stress state. So, look, I think if you're feeling well and you've got lots of energy and you're dropping some weight, if that's what you want to do and your skin's mm. good, go for it and and don't worry about having so-called high cholesterol. You know, like my cholesterol's great. Yeah, yeah, tested. Yeah, well, mine's six point six, right? Mm. And the range is to five point six. But I have low triglycerides. Mm. I have low blood sugar. Mm. I have low homocysteine. I have low. Like when my doctor Rob Zabo, uh, he's a type one diabetic and he's mm. a low carb doctor. When I mm. saw him once, he's like, God, I'd almost think you're type one diabetic. Your insulin is so low, right? So as long as your bl- uh, bloods mm. are good mm. and you're feeling well, then do it. You know what messes me up? Greens. Ah, yeah. Especially raw. Yeah, well, the, 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 like a raw kale or yeah, the green of the green. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need them raw. Yeah, it messes me up hard digestively. Yeah, but rice and stuff, which I've had at Christmas, fine. Okay, brown rice. And I gain a lot of weight, but um, brown rice. If it's Christmas, hell no. Uh, it's white rice. It's yum cha. Try brown rice. Why? I just I ate no Less, rice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Normally. Yeah. 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 So might as well just not eat it. Or do the Christmas thing. Uh, all right. So when we started, we talked about the the three things that where people might be stuck. One, they're not in tune with their body. Um, two, there's the social. I think I got this right. Two is there's the social pressure. 
Did we talk about that? No, we talked about that, about the guys. But, you know, guys at the pub and girls having champagne and cakes and stuff. I don't think we went too much into the social pressure. But, no, that was about uh, thinking it's normal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, thinking that everyone walking around sick and creaky is normal. And it's not. It's not. We, we may, you know, I truly believe that our health is in our hands mm. and the choices we make around what we put in our, what we believe, what we put in our body, the way we think, the way we sleep, what we drink in alcohol, what sort of exercise we do, mm. those things determine, you know, a lot of our health. It's not genetics. Genetics is about probably 5%. Mm. It's all about, because if we eat well and we have genetic flaws, if we're eating well and we don't have this whole autoimmune cascade going on in our body, mm. those genes are going to stay turned off because our genes turn on and off based on stress, toxins in our body, what we eat and what we eat can be toxicity. Yeah. So genes turn on and off based on what we do. You know, if we have a sauna, if we do thermogenic conditioning, yeah. you know, different things turn on and off. So we, a lot of that's in our hands. It's just we don't know it, but know it. You know, my, my wife, who you saw earlier, she's always been quite lean and I've always been fat, fat, fat. We did DNA tests at my medical clinic. I have no of the predispositions towards obesity, but I've managed it. I've done well. I've, I've, I've um, gotten obese despite not having the genetic predisposition. She's had the opposite. She has the predisposition to be obese, but hasn't been. So again, yes, the epigenetic profiles is, is probably more important mm. than the genetic profile. Mm. Can we go to some of those um, extra things you just <clears throat> mentioned, like saunas and so on? Uh, I'm just starting to get into that kind of stuff, and I'm realizing that um, things like heat shock proteins and, and putting your body through things that people, or floats, I love to do isolation tanks. Uh, some of these ways of living, someone told me to buy a Shakti mat. Have you seen that? It replicates a bed of nails that the... Um, Indians lie. I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. You lie on this thing, and I'm just trying all these weird hippy dippy things. I'm getting. I'm becoming a hippie. Uh, can you tell us uh, any of those experiences that you've had with those other therapies? Shall we yeah. call them? Well, I'd say the first therapy is sleep. Sleep. So getting good sleep. This is a problem in the clients you're seeing. Bad oh, sleep. Most people. Yeah, most people I work with are probably eighty percent go to bed at midnight and wake up at five o'clock. So diet and sleep sound like the bedrock. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Diet and sleep are yeah. the two most important things. And then stress. How are they wrecking their sleep? Uh, being on electronics uh. till whatever time. Well, actually, the first way they're wrecking it is not understanding the importance of it <clears throat> and the impact it has, especially if someone's really overweight. Oh, okay. So tell me about the sleep overweight link. Well, there's a whole lot of science that shows that if we um, aren't getting adequate sleep, or we're sleeping at the wrong time. So shift workers, mm. you know, much, much higher percentage of mental health problems, diabetes, autoimmune dysfunction, heart disease, all of these illnesses come mm. because we upset our circadian rhythm. Mm. So, you know, Dr. Sanchin Panda, who mm. is amazing, um, talks a lot about circadian clock and the body clock. You know, our body shuts down as the sun starts to go down. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be eating food after dark. Really? You know, so I try and eat yeah. I try and eat no later than 6.30 at night. When did you start eating? Because I know you're IF. I haven't eaten this morning. Yeah, yeah, but so if you eat the last meal about 6.30 or whatever, oh, so when did you start? I normally 
this this week I've been trying to not to eat till about twelve thirty. Okay, so you might morning. have a six hour window, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So generally I won't eat before ten thirty, and okay. if I'm being really good and diligent, uh, I won't eat till about twelve twelve thirty, okay. and then eat no later than seven o'clock. Okay, and you have a couple of meals, lunch and dinner, yeah, two. just two. And then do you do you move that around? Sometimes you might not eat today, or might eat one meal, or you might eat more depending on yeah, your food. Uh, yeah. Uh, not deliberately. Just but, happens. But um, the other week, I had just one meal on one day, and I wasn't hungry at night, and I could have eaten. Yeah. But I thought, ah, oh, let me see if it improves my sleep to not eat at night. What happened? Uh, yeah, my sleep was better. I had more deep sleep. Because hmm. our body, like our body, shuts down at night, so we don't digest food. So our our gut lining goes into cellular regrowth and cellular repair yeah. at night. Hmm. So if our body's trying to digest food while it's doing that, we're not replenishing, we're firstly not digesting the food properly and we're not replenishing our gut lining properly. This is what we do though. We load, most people load up at 10 p.m. and comfort yeah. foods and go to sleep and got this giant. Yeah, so that makes us sick. Hmm. So we should be eating more in our lunchtime meal because then we have all day to digest it. Hmm. So I try and suggest to my clients that, and it is hard, it's been easier with people working at home, mm. but you have a bigger meal during the day and a smaller meal at night. Mm. And then, you know, if you really need anything, have bone broth. Oh, yeah. Bone broth in the evening or bone broth in the morning. So um, there's something weird about bone broth while we're on that, but I've noticed that fasting, I'll often be like, I don't really want to eat. Like I just, you know, your body naturally gravitates towards eating less when you take away the, the sugars and stuff. But sometimes I feel a bit off, like my body's saying I, something's not right, I need something, but not food. And I'll drink water and, or electrolytes and that doesn't really... But if I have a bone broth, my body's like, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I so don't know why. There must be some kind of mineral the in minerals, it. The minerals, the salt, the, oh. you know, all of that. But, but sleep, you know, sleep is really important. So um, people usually wreck their sleep because they don't know how important it is to longevity and mental health and helping them recover and process everything for the next day. So, mm. you know, acknowledging the importance of sleep is probably the first thing. And yeah. then it's like, well, how do I actually get good sleep? And, you know, I wear uh, dreamers glasses, so I Blue wear blockers. them from 6 o'clock at night. Yeah. They look a bit weird, but, you know, I want to improve my deep sleep. And I track my sleep, so I use an aura ring. I also use my Garmin, well, not, not, I haven't got my Garmin watch on now, but I use my Garmin watch to track my sleep and my aura ring, so I actually look at the data. To see whether you had a good night's REM sleep. REM sleep, deep uh, sleep. Well, I ask myself in the morning, yeah. listening to my body, have I had a good sleep? Yeah. Then I look at the data and correlate the two. Are, they, are they close? Yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 often. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, people should do that. They should use subjective mm. subjective feedback and then objective data to look at their sleep patterns, mm. look at their resting heart rate. Is their resting heart rate coming down? Mm. Um, but having a routine about going to sleep. And we want to try and have a going to bed time and a wake-up time, you know, within half an hour to an hour. Every day. Every day, similar, because that's what our body gets used to and that's what our body wants. You can shift that over time, right? You can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So all these people that say, oh, I'm a nighttime person, yep. that's bullshit. Oh. There's only a very small amount of people that are sort of set up to be like that. But if you're overweight and you're stressed and you're sick, you need to sleep more. 
But they're artificially thinking they're a night person because of the screens and the video games yeah. and the food and yeah. everything at night. It's yeah. so unhealthy. Yeah. We're going to have a cascade of health problems across the world that's already started yeah. of young people who are gamers, yeah. Uber Eats. Yeah. Like, here's a prediction, right? What's <laughs> going to happen in a couple of years? You'll be able to, our young people, they won't be able to buy a house with a big kitchen mm-hmm. because Uber Eats. they won't know how to cook. That's already happening in the city, apartments with no kitchens. Yeah. And TV, Netflix will have a partnership with Uber Eats where you can be watching Netflix and the AI in it will pop up at 7 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night and say, oh, Andre, it's time for your one kilo of ice cream or your pizza from Domino's. Here's what you ordered last week. 20% And and a UAV will deliver it to your front. That's what's going to happen. In 20 years when someone watches this, well, oh, that old man was bloody, he knew what was, that's what's going to happen. And our kids are going to think that that's totally fucking normal. Yeah. So we need to cook more, get our kids off our phones. I know I'm transgressing here, but show them how to cook, Mm. you know, because, yeah, so sleep is a massive problem. So we need to be encouraging people to get off phones, get off TVs. Go it'll be read, there tomorrow. Like it'll wait for you. Read books. Oh, gee, that's like, good. That's nice. I, I, my kids asked me what I want for Christmas. I gave them a list of five or six books. Okay. You know, real books like from David yeah, Goggins yeah, yeah, and yeah. people like that. Like real books that you can sit in bed. Yeah. With your blue blockers on and read yeah. a real book. I have a secret desire which I don't think my wife will approve of is to change you know the lights change the lights yeah yeah great so the whole house yeah, maybe a hu- adjustable one so yeah the Philips Hue system at night time it all just reddens yeah that'd be nice I've just bought a um, meter high red light therapy system what out of it? America what's the red light therapy system uh, it's infrared near it's got near infrared and red light so I can improve melatonin production so it's a pole that shines at yeah, you yeah this is a I've got the big version so I'm going to be using that Every morning for 10 or 15 minutes. But you can use it for improving skin. You can use it for improving muscle. You can improve... You sit in front of it. ...testosterone. So I'm going to use that. But that'll help in the morning. Because what we should do in the morning is we should get up and go out and look in the sun. Because that tells our body the circadian clock. It gets the clock going and makes the body acknowledge, now's my time for waking up. Mm. I need to get active. It increases your melatonin, gets all your hormones working in the right sequence. Instead of, you know, getting at a bed at eight o'clock and going on a phone screen, you want to be getting up at six o'clock or 6.30 or 5.30, 6 you know, and getting out in the sun. I've heard that, that sunlight at the beginning of the morning is is Very important to improving your sleep at night. Isn't that funny? Yeah, you wouldn't make that connection normally. You know, I had a client I was working with from Sydney who she was going to bed at mid, 24-year-old girl, going to bed at midnight, waking up at 8 o'clock in the morning. She was 118 kilos at 24, beautiful person. And we've worked together now for probably six months. She's dropped, you know, 24 kilos She's like down to 90-something. And one of the biggest things I convinced her on it was hard was she had to go to bed earlier. So she's now going to bed at 10, or 10 10.30 and getting up at 6, 6.30 and going for a walk. Oh, like wow. not, not killing herself, just yeah, yeah. getting up and going outside and yeah. going for a walk and eating properly, of course. Uh, all right. Therapeutics. So you talk about this pop. What do you think? So, so, I've just got. To, I'll show you after this. I put an infrared sauna. Oh, I've got one too. A Sun Lighten. They're cheap. It was oh. like, like twelve hundred bucks. I mean, 
Oh, mine was 13000 Yeah, because you got a fancy one. Yeah. But point is, you know, you go and spend $45 a session at, at the place. You can get one in your own home. So you use this? When do you I use it? I had one this morning. So you do it in the mornings? Ride. Yeah, I rode for an hour this morning, yeah. and then I had an infrared sauna for 45 minutes. We probably pass each other on the trails. Probably yeah. not, no. Why? Um, rode out to Yan Yan. I don't know where that out is. Out that way. Uh, out towards Yarrambat. So do you often ride along the Yarra River? No. Oh, okay. I got a road bike. Oh, you're a roadie. Yeah, yeah. I'm a gravel. So, yeah, so uh, infrared sauna's really good. Steam sauna's really good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, so just getting your body hot. Yeah. Heat, heat shock proteins, clearing out your senescent cells, your damaged cells, because um, your body goes into a state of shock if you get it hot enough. Um, sweating is really good for you as well. Okay. And then going in between cold... You know, if you can handle it, going into a cold shower. Is that what you do? Cold shower? Uh, once in a while. I, I go down to the beach. I've got a client I work with, and he and I meet at the beach once in a while, and we go out in the 13 degrees or 12 yeah. degrees. It's very hard because I don't. He, he's quite big, and yeah. he has, <laughs> as, he says, as he says, he can swim faster than me too because he floats well. Oh. He has a lot of padding, as he says, yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm not. So yeah. I'm like sitting there shivering, <laughs> and he's laughing and enjoying it. So so these extremes, why are they so good for us? Cold and hot, because we mostly we minimise that with air conditioning and whatever else. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's what our body is used to, and that's what our body. Um, can tolerate because it's like acute but it's not chronic yeah it's the same as stress you know we don't want chronic stress where we're stressed all the time but acute is okay acute is okay because that's what we were evolved to handle you know we right. wouldn't the saber-toothed tiger wasn't outside our cave 24 yes. hours a day yes it would be there once in a while and as yes. a caveman we didn't have to worry about too much okay you know uh, and what about other therapies like, um, what do you think? Have you floated before? Since your deprivation tank? Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. enjoy it? It was too cold for me. Then it should be the same temperature as your body. No, I'm freezing when I'm in there. Why? I always want it warmer. I wonder why. Well, cause you I'm, must run hot. Se- no, I've got 7% body fat, so... So you're always colder than yeah, most... like I'm uh, cold now. Oh. Yeah. My hands are cold. Like if you... Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Wow. I love floats, and I love the... Um, serenity and the quietness yeah but it's too cold for me it's funny large people have the opposite problem we're just trying to cool rooms down mm. okay um we never actually talked about the optimal did nutrition we didn't we approach. didn't we you talked not, about lower not carbon really. not really all right we didn't so um, time restricted eating well, we did that, didn't That's we? That's the most important thing for don't, people. Don't buy the lie of... Um, yeah, don't buy the lie of breakfast, lunch and dinner. Avoid processed foods. Don't eat anything in a packet if you can help it. Yeah. Lots of vegetables, lots of good grass-fed meat, uh, organic, hormone-free chicken. And, you know, if if you're eating six times a day now, there's... Six? Well, what, are you, you a bodybuilder? No, no, but a lot of people... You know, oh, more snacks and stuff. Snacks and oh, stuff. What you want to do is go to three meals a day... Eat more fat, even though your doctor probably won't say... Well, that'll help. Say yeah. that. Eat more fat, eggs, cook in olive oil, mm. macadamia oil, coconut oil, lard, the ghee, those types of things. Get rid of all vegetable oils yeah. completely. Well, you did say olive. You kept that in there. Yeah, well, olive oil's fine. It's a vegetable, mate. Right? Yeah, but it's it's not a seed oil, right? <laughs> right. Um, well, you wouldn't really cook with it too much. You'd yeah, more yeah, put it on yeah. salads at, and low temperatures. Yeah. Um, and then once you get to eating three meals a day, 
then start to move to only two meals a day because most people, once they're eating three good low-carb meals a day, yeah. they'll be eating, they'll get less hungry. With fat in the diet, mate, one feels for me the best. Yeah. You just don't need it. What time do you eat normally? Usually start around three. Yep. Um, but if, if I'm a bit hungry, I feel my body's a bit like we need to eat to be 12. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I just feel good going all day. You know, I haven't eaten today and <clears throat> yesterday I didn't eat until dinner. Everything's better. Bloating's better. My brain functions fantastic. I actually think better yeah. with no food. Yeah. When I have food, I'm a little bit, even though I only eat meat and animal yeah. products. Yeah. And in fact, what I, what I can do is if you want to include it in the notes for the podcast, I'll give you a list. Yeah. It's of- called the food list, the banting food list, and it's red. There's green, yellow, orange, and red foods, and it sort of says eat these sparingly, eat these once in a while, yeah. avoid these all the time, eat as much of these as you want to, to till, till you're you know, full. Um, so that might be a tool that people oh. can use themselves if they want. It is dangerous, though, isn't it, what we're suggesting in the sense that how can I be eating like this since February and still be quite overweight? I must be eating a lot. Unfortunately, I've got to talk about calories. I must be eating a lot of calories because of the high-fat diet. Well, Otherwise, how is my body maintaining so much Maybe fat? you've got high insulin. Maybe you've got a bit of insulin resistance. But I don't eat any carbon. No, but maybe it's still there and you haven't gotten rid of it. Have you? Maybe get your bloods done and check for how high your insulin is. So if, if you have high insulin, does it matter that you're not eating any... Um, breads and gluten and stuff can it still affect you? is it still a bad thing to have high insulin yeah absolutely oh. yeah yeah okay so optimal diet did we do that um, are you going to give me a list the banter list I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give you the list I'll put anything the hints would be you know, <clears throat> no processed foods but, but the other thing is actually thinking about here's the other thing is thinking about what you're going to eat during the week so the other problem people have is mm. not being organized so here, mm. here we go you've mm. now got me thinking properly is knowing what the right food is is one thing so yes. having the list is one thing yes but then actually having the food in the fridge and having a plan for who's going to cook when so this as opposed is, to just oh quick go buy some new yeah. yeah so you know i've got lots of clients that were going to the supermarket every day Oh, it's too much. And they were stressed about time. And yeah. I'm like, well, why the hell are you going to the supermarket yeah. every day? Go twice a week. Have yeah. a food plan. So get a sheet of paper, yeah. seven days of the week, meals, sit down with your partner if you've got one, and the kids. Yeah. If your kids are 14 or 13, yeah. get them involved in the cooking. Yeah. Hey, we're going to make this this night. Who wants to cook? Yeah. Plan out what you're going to eat and then make sure you know when there's leftovers. What, what? What? Leftovers. What? Yeah, yeah, but what, what? How is that relevant? Well, okay. So let's say, let's say tonight I'm having lamb chops, mm. and on the food plan I know that tomorrow I've got a busy day. I'm only going to have 15 minutes to sort of have lunch or mm. first. I call it first meal. I don't even use the word breakfast, lunch, dinner because they're fake yeah, words. Yeah, yeah. So I will then say, well, tonight I'm going to make an extra two lamb chops mm. and some extra veggies so that tomorrow I've got my first meal already oh, prepared. So this is how people need to plan their food. Yeah. Is plan what are we what's the protein we're going to have each day? Yeah. Are there going to be leftovers where mum or dad or the kids need leftovers or whatever then make sure we make extra at night and then put it in a glass Tupperware container or on a plate with a wrap over it so you've already got your first meal for the next day made. Why don't you just get plastic and you can microwave it? Yeah. Cuz well that's where people get screwed up is they <laughs> they have their dinner the next morning they're like, oh, I haven't allocated time for food. I haven't 
uh, made time to cook mm. and then they go to the fridge oh there's nothing there so mm. I'll go in a pantry mm. oh there's one of these takeaway bullshit meals or a thing of pasta I can put some pasta because it's convenient it is, it is. so you need to plan your food know what you're eating and have it in the fridge and use leftovers so that's probably the other big key and make sure you drink water use glass instead of um plastic yeah so that's probably the filtered by so carbon block so that's probably the nuts and guts of the approach to food but you know making sure you get enough sleep and the other thing would be not going to the gym and killing yourself with exercise thinking that that's going to help you lose weight but you know you should probably think about getting the insulin tested to see if that's so it's not my fault it's my big boned my genes i yeah it's not my diet. Well, it's not I my don't lifestyle. Know, part of it could be a little bit of genetics, maybe. Thank but you. you don't. That's look our that, dream. You don't look that big. Like, were you much bigger? 150 kilos. Wow. Yeah. And how long to get to where? My you whole were? life. Because people, people, you know, most people do the yeah. thing. But yeah. I grew up fat, so um, you know, a couple of years ago, I started to. You know, it's a typical process. You lower the carbs, you end up on Atkins, and then paleo, and then Atkins and low carb and yeah. keto, and then carnivore. Yeah. It's a typical transition. Yeah. No, you've done well. Yes, but that, that's great, but the problem is I'm only halfway. Yeah. Oh, well, you'll get there. I don't know. You will. Just take time. It's been so long. Uh, okay, so you just said something I wanted to talk about. Um, Food planning. Yeah. That is important. Uh, exercise. Mm. Exercise. Okay, yeah. so because you mentioned a few times people are killing themselves too much, and I raised earlier that we probably all under under move, under... Yep. Mm. How do you know what is the right amount? Because I'm currently facing this issue. I think a lot of people, I need to move more. I need to exercise more, harder. I need, I cycle um, four days a week. I need to do it six or seven, you know. And you've you've talked about um, people, do you think people generally overdo it or, or, or underdo it, like what I've been saying? Generally what I find is um, people that are, maybe 10 to 15 kilos overweight over exercise. Okay. Because if you're 30 or 40 kilos overweight, it's it's pretty hard to exercise. So they would not do enough. Probably. Yeah, that, well, no, they, they, not, not, they probably uh, are too sore to, inflamed, yeah. can't move well enough. Uh, like I couldn't imagine being 30 or 40 kilos overweight. That's fine. I, I, yeah. yeah um, but it's not your fault. It's not their fault. They're just following the wrong advice. So yeah. most people have got 10, 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 kilos to lose, in my experience, exercise too much. And what I mean by that is yeah. it's the inappropriate exercise, meaning they're working too hard. What's wrong with that? Too high heart, heart rate, more cortisol. Cortisol turns off oh, fat burning. You want them at that 65% I, No, I want them in what we call the maffetone zone. So there's a doc, guy called Dr. Phil Maffetone, and once again, we should include something about him. You're going to have to email him. Yeah, I will, I yeah. will, I will. Uh, I'm one of Phil Maffetone's um, uh, initial coaches for his practice globally, okay. and this is about using... And, and Phil has trained some of the world's best athletes. So mm. Mark Allen, who's a six-time Hawaii Ironman champion, was Phil's coach. Yeah. And Phil uses an approach of using a heart rate of 180 minus your age as your maximum aerobic function. So as an example... You that's know, lower than the normal 220 minus your That's age. right, because oh. that's total BS. Is it? It's another fitness thing. Because, oh. see, the fitness industry and the diet industry give people what they want. 
and they tell people what they want to hear. And what I mean by that is the fitness industry says eat whatever shit you want. As long as you exercise hard enough, you'll burn calories, you'll lose weight, which is total BS for anyone that's over 30 or 40. For maybe a 20-year-old that works, we've been there, right? So that, you know, if I was a fitness trainer in a gym and I had some overweight person come in and they believe that training really hard is going to lose them weight. And I said to them, look, I don't want you to get on the treadmill or on the elliptical machine and sweat like a pig and kill yourself. I want you to just take the dog for a walk. I want you to sleep in in the morning, but I want you to stop eating shitty pancakes and bread. What do you think they're going to say? They're going to go to the other idiot that wants to take their $90 a session. So this 220 was written wrong. The fitness industry has it wrong. Les Mills and all those fitness companies that want to smash people have it wrong. You need to actually work at a lower heart rate. So 180 minus your age. To turn your aerobic engine into a big fat burning machine. Okay. So so your, what is yours? 56. So 180 minus 56, 124 or something. That's low. So I ran that marathon, the three hour 26 marathon. My average heart rate was 125. That's so low. And I was breathing through my nose. And so, okay. And I did a 326, which meant I would have been probably fifth in the Melbourne Marathon for my age group. So you... And, I, and I'm not a... I don't have an experience as a, yeah. <laughs> a, you know, champion runner or anything like that. So you, you when we say max heart... So, so you want to sit around that new max that we're talking at 181 is your age. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm 30 something, 35. So I'm 180. I'm 145. I want yeah. to sit around 145. Yeah. That's what you want your max to be. Max. Do I want to sit below max for no about ten beats? A range of ten beats. So one thirty-five. Yeah. One thirty-five to one forty-five. That's so much more enjoyable. Exercise should be comfortable and enjoyable, and you should be able to do it with your mouth closed, breathing through your nose, or talking. That's how. Like whenever I go running with people. Even if we're running at four minute 30 pace, I talk, we talk. It has to be comfortable. Pain, exercise should be comfortable and enjoyable. Not painful, punishment? Now, no, not mm. punishment. We shouldn't have to suffer. All this suffer fest and all this yeah, stuff, yeah, on, yeah. it's all bullshit. It's giving people what they want. But you read David Goggins. Yeah, well, he's different. He's very different. He's different. He's <laughs> a great level. He's very different, right? Yeah, yeah. But. It doesn't mean we don't ever do hard intensity. Okay, okay. You know, so the Maffetone approach is all about building the aerobic function, so our mitochondria mitochondria function better, we're burning more fat. But, you know, at times we should do high, hard intensity work. But, you know, as an example, if I'm doing a track session, I might, in that one hour of doing a track session, you know, 80% of it will be at math. It only like a small portion will be running as hard as I can. Sprint. Sprint yeah. work with big recoveries in between. So uh, if you, it might be a, you know, a one and a half minute max effort and then a six minute recovery mm-hmm. where you're just walking, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that might be once a month mm-hmm. or once a fortnight. Okay. It all depends on the person's sure, background sure. and their experience. But overall exercise is, is generally enjoyable. It's, it should it's, be. Yeah. It should be. Same as yeah. swimming. You know, swimmers in a pool killing themselves yeah. to swim on a time cycle. Yeah, they're stressed. Yeah. They're starving. Yeah. They just chill and focus on technique. By okay. fixing your technique, 
you're going to get faster. The same with running. By having a proper running technique, you're going to run better. So is your cadence quite low when you cycle, given no. what we're talking about? You uh, to keep your heart rate a little bit lower than most cyclists? Oh, it depends whether I'm on hill or flats, but oh, okay. I, I won't generally ride more than 100 RPM on the bike when I'm on a flat. I'm a, my average is about 86 because I like to use my muscles more than... Same, yeah. Yeah. You got bigger cranks? Bigger no, just normal. Normal. Okay. normal. Um, so with exercise, I'd encourage people to look up Dr. Phil Maffetone. Okay. The math, math method, MAF, yeah. maximum aerobic function. Yeah. And when you team that with a low-carbohydrate approach to nutrition, you're really going to optimise that fat-burning engine, which is what we want. And we're going to look like you. Well, hopefully not, but, you know, you will look better. If, you, if you're fif- in your mid-50s and you're looking fit like a body of a 20-year-old... That's not bad. That's fa- that, and that's normal? Or it should be normal? It should be normal. That's incredible. We yeah. should all, like, Mark Sisson's old. Yeah. He looks fantastic. He does. I wish I could look like him when I'm his age. But, you know, he sold his, one of his companies for $550 million or something. So He's looked good forever, though. Yeah. So, and once again, this exercise approach does challenge beliefs of what people think is normal. Yeah. But you just got to think, is what I've been doing working? Yeah. And if it hasn't, you've got to change something. Yeah. And this is the approach that's helped heaps and heaps of world-class athletes. But they don't talk about it because why would you give away your secrets? Oh, okay. So you've got to look at this this girl about the nasal breathing, yeah. the runner for the Olympics, mm. and look at her breathing through her nose as she's coming across the finish line. Um, and, and you know, um, Kipchoge, you know, one of the world's best marathoners he does math training because if you he puts his training logs up online and you can mm. see that he's going for math runs all the time what kind of du- uh, length duration of exercise do, do you go longer at math because you're at a lower intensity oh yeah yeah absolutely so yeah. i'm going to do a three-hour run on sunday with one of my clients a mate of mine um how yeah. often do you exercise every day oh every day yeah an hour a day three hours a day um, half an hour a day Look, you know, previously I was exercising about 18 hours a week, um, but uh, that had some ramifications on me in a few ways, um, personally, so I've sort of decided just to chill a bit mm. and not have so... I was a bit OCD about it, um, so I've decided not to be so OCD about it. Mm. Like this morning I rode for an hour, yesterday I did an hour in my gym, um, tomorrow I'll probably just wake up and... It's only talking an hour a day, roughly, on average. Yeah, but I was. Oh no! On the now, Sunday, I'll, on Sunday, I'm going to run for three hours. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'll exercise, do something every day between an hour to an hour and a half. But see, with the math math method, that's a lot more achievable. I can go run around in the park at that sort of a level with my kids for an hour. That's yeah doable. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I'm uh, I'm out of <clears throat> out of questions. I'm fascinated by everything we've talked about. I feel more relaxed. After an hour and a half with you. Oh, good. Because I sit across from a lot of guests, but oh, right. you must give up. The way you live your life, you must permeate that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> As I said, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm nowhere near perfect. Or, uh, <clears throat> You've only got to be 10% better than the mainstream yeah, around out there. Yeah, yeah I'm, look I'm, I'm not bad considering, you know, some of the things I've gone through. Um, mm. There's always room for improvement. But I, I just say to people, look, you know, do a food journal. Yeah. Do a food and mood journal for a week um, to see what is affecting you. 
That's my um, biggest takeaway from today. Yeah, that's the, that fir- that's connection. the first one. The, yeah. Listen to the body. Yeah. The second one would be don't accept um, sickness mm. as being normal. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you're overweight or you've got skin rashes or you've got asthma mm. or you're sore or you're inflamed or just because all your friends are overweight or maybe they're underweight because un- being underweight is a health problem as well. You know, I, I like, don't understand how that happens though. It must be genetic. Uh, some I know people have issues. Friends. Some people, you know, have psychological issues with food and, and stuff like that, um, which is unhealthy. But mm. just because your friends or your colleagues might be sick or like that, mm. don't accept that for yourself because, mm. you know, 10 years ago, that's what I thought. Mm. And the way it changed for me was I went uh, to a talk by Dr. Stephen Finney and just before Christmas I decided to make that change and I lost all my weight. But no one would have said I was fat. Mm. Well, you were only um, 78, 80 kilos, 5 foot 6. I was chunky, but, you know, I was going to the physio every second day to get my calves massaged because I was so sore. I was inflamed from all the sugar I was eating. So that was the biggest change for me. Within months of stopping, I didn't need to go to the physio anymore. That's incredible. But people don't think about that sort of stuff. So they're probably the two big things. And the last one would be two more. Sleep, sleep more. Yeah. And then with alcohol and shit food, think about if you're a parent, what sort of example are you setting for your kids? Mm. Because they're going to copy what you do. Mm -hmm. So... Alcohol's poison, gluten's poison, dairy you just, you just isn't... do do it anymore? Uh, look, I didn't drink for eight years, um, but I had, a, I had a beer with my son the other day. Mm. That's fine. Mm. He's 24. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he's seven mm. and I'm sitting there at night on a Friday night saying, oh, yeah. fuck, what yeah. a shit week I've had. I need a beer yeah, or let's terrible. have some wine to relax. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm sure lots of people do that. And yeah, that's yeah. a totally bullshit thing, in my opinion, okay. to do because it sets a bad example yeah. for kids if they're there. Yeah. Um, Describing my childhood. So I- they're, they're the things I'd sort of suggest. And I've got, a, I've got an app, a health and wellness app that's free that people can Your da- app. download. What's Just it? search my name. Okay. On Android. We'll put the link below as well. Yeah. That's free. And there's a, every week I put a podcast and a video, like uh, not mine. Yeah. I find a podcast or a video that I then reshare on the app that people can listen to natively in the app. Oh, cool. And there's probably 90 to 100 different podcasts and videos. And then sometimes I put my own content up there. Oh, cool. Yeah. And if people want to know more, they just look up my name. I've got a website. And there's a lot of free information there, but the app is probably the best way people can get some free insights. All of those links, all those things are below. And uh, this is a bit where I close the podcast, but I just realized, I remembered that you said you're in the military for, for 10, 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. So just, yeah, let's quickly cover that. W- what did you do in there? That's fascinating. Um, I joined as a soldier and I did three years in Signals Corps here at Watsonia. Um, and then... Uh, I went to Duntroon and I was in the first class of um, officers that were ex-soldiers that could go to Duntroon. So I graduated from Duntroon as a lieutenant um, and then did a range of different postings, went to Cambodia for nine months with the UN, worked with General Sanderson and the Australian forces there, um, 
did a whole lot of various different training. I completed the SAS selection course when in 1989 when I was 24. Jumped out of aeroplanes and did a whole lot of stuff. And, and so you've been in the SAS. I completed the selection course, but I wasn't selected. Oh, they okay. said you could still kill me. They, they said, "Oh, you've done well. We want you to come and do it again." So you get three options at oh. the end of the course. It's either we want you now. Yeah. You've done well. We want you to do it again because yep. you've got you've got some of the skills. Yeah. Or you get bye 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 bye. Or you pull off. So on our course, I think there was about 360 people that started it and there was about 60 of us that finished it. 300 quit? Yeah, all got pulled all got off. Pulled off. Yeah. Can, do they teach you how to kill people? Well, you're in the army, so that's your job. No, not with a gun. With SES style. How to crack <laughs> a neck, how to put a pencil through an eye. That oh, cool no. Kind of that, that's, that's all just TV stuff. Well, that's why I asked. That's all yeah. TV stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then why did you um, leave the military? Um, had kids, didn't want to have to keep shifting them oh, around see, and, and a good guy, a good mate of mine offered me a job in a company called Cisco, um, an IT networking technology company and... That's where you got overweight and unhealthy. Yeah, but it was great. Yeah, had a great time there. Yeah. And then so now for the rest of your life, do you, you see yourself doing this kind of stuff? Yeah, it's I'm fulfilling. never going to go and work for anyone else or do anything. Yeah. You find this fulfilling? Yeah, it's great must be nice to see people's lives change. Yeah, it is. That's the best thing about it is um, helping people change their lives, helping them find their own way by asking them the right questions and um, just got to sort of not get too too engrossed by it and make sure you have time for yourself as well. And that's why I'm you know, sort of only working the three days a week because it, it can be quite draining. Of course, of course. Mm. All right, Andre, good to meet you. You're a good man. Thank you for giving an hour and 40 minutes. Thanks, Matt.